Hey, Bellway Park, I'm so excited because today we're kicking off a new series called Equipped. And in this series, we're gonna spend eight weeks where we talk about spiritual warfare and, and the importance of us as believers putting on the armor of God as we go and fight this spiritual battle that exists for followers of Jesus, that exists for everyone. And so for the next few weeks, we're actually gonna use the imagery of a firefighter and what they do as they fight a fire to talk about spiritual warfare. And so we thought it would be fun this is Ben. Ben is a firefighter. And uh, Ben, you don't have a mustache. So why do you, I thought that was like a requirement for all firefighters was to have that beautiful mustache. It's the shaved head. It's the shaved, that goes, okay, that, that makes up for it. But we're going to put on the firefighter equipment today, the, the equipment that they use to go and fight a fire. Ben obviously knows how to do that. Uh, I am me, so obviously I don't know how to do it. And we're going to race, and we're going to see how important it is to know how to put on the equipment as you go and fight a fire. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I really wanted to ask Ben questions before this because I'm nervous because I don't know what some of this is. But we're just going to go for it. I didn't ask questions. I know nothing, which is just the way it should be. All right? So, I'm going to count us down, and then we'll go. All right? Three, two, one, go. You're just going to let me a head start. This looks like it goes over your face. Oh, glasses! Mistake! Mistake! Hey, take my shoes off. Yeah, take them off. Oh. I was so close. Oh. oh my gosh, it's hot. And you'll have to do this how fast, Ben? Uh, 45 seconds. -ish. You've got to get it on in 45 seconds. And out of the station. I don't even know how to get the gloves up. And out of the station in 45 seconds? Yeah. Ugh. Well, how to put my hands through, that's wrong, but okay. The gloves are stuck together. That feels like a problem. Nope, left, right, okay. Oh, kind of got them on. I didn't get Not this. Bad. I didn't get this glove on. The whole, the whole oh, wrist, I forgot the whole to. Wrist paint, man, oh, for you, but. oh, I forgot to do all of this. So, man, you look way better than I do and more put together. I am so excited about these next few weeks. They're going to be important for us as I'm also now really out of breath. They're going to be important for us as a church. They're important for us as followers of Jesus to know how to put it on correctly, the armor of God, and why it's important as we go fight this spiritual battle. Well, good morning. Man, it is so great to be with you at our South Campus, North Campus. Love being with you guys, our online family, whether you're in the region or whether you're around the world somewhere, we love being with you guys. And it's great to be back. I am so appreciative of our elders who years ago encouraged me to do something in the summer. Really what I do is I take a season where I'm not preaching and I plan. I pray and plan for the next year. And so that's what I've been doing. So I have been tucked away, holed away. It's time to be with some people. You know what I'm saying? So love being with you guys. Excited about our journey. Now, to be very honest with you, I had in my mind how long it would take Jeffrey to put that stuff on. I don't know that he actually got it on, by the way, but I, I had in my mind, I actually think he did better than I thought he was going to do. I, I wouldn't want him to come fight a fire at my house, but I thought he didn't do bad at all. What I didn't know was this. I didn't know that a firefighter could get their equipment on in 45 seconds. I actually looked it up on Google because Google is the source of all knowledge, right? Yeah, like some of you don't even go to the doctor anymore. I'm just going to Google what I have. I'm going to get something from the pharmacy, and I'm good, right? 
Anyway, I Googled it and they said 60 to 90 seconds to get it on. But I, I've been reflecting on this and it makes sense that a firefighter can do that. See, they have in their mind knowledge and that knowledge is this. They don't think that someday maybe they're gonna fight a fire. They have every expectation, not if they're gonna fight a fire, but when. And because of the inevitability of what they are going to do, they have made sure that they have the ability to equip themselves in a matter of seconds. See, the right gear matters and seconds count. I want you to hit, listen to me. The world we live in today is not the world Jesus made for us. If I may say it this way, it's like the world is on fire. And deep within, something within us knows it. Something within us knows that there's something different than we were made for. C.S. Lewis said it so well in Mere Christianity. He said, if we find ourselves in ourselves a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. We were made for a world that's different than the one that we're in. And listen to me, it's not a world that's a no. It's just a world that when we're in Jesus, it's a not yet. But until Jesus returns, or until we die, until we are in heaven, this world we're in right now is our reality. And I think more than we realize, we need to make sure that we're, and I want you to really hear the word, we need to make sure we're equipped. I wanna show you what I mean. So if you will, get the Bible that you brought with you and turn to Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus. Now, I know some of you are thinking, man, you're gonna put the scriptures on the screen, I don't need it, and that's okay, but I want us to get used to opening our Bibles because we're not gonna have the TV screen tomorrow morning when you get up to read your word. If you don't have a Bible with you at both our physical campuses, underneath your chair, the chair in front of you is a black Bible. We're on page 979, Ephesians 6. And if you're part of our online family, part of our online campus, and I can't encourage you enough, if you're engaging online, the best way to do it is our online campus through the website. It lets allows full engagement, it allows us to connect and do things like that. There's actually an icon there that you can turn to the text. If you're at one of our physical campuses and you don't own a Bible and you need one, man, I want you to take one of those black ones, put your name in it, count it as yours, and use it for what God wants to do in your life. Now, if you were to start reading Ephesians in the first chapter, which would be great to do this week, you're gonna find it divides easily into two parts, chapters one through three, chapters four through six. Chapter one through three is Paul begins to expound upon the grandness of salvation. He's very theological, but some of the most beautiful prayers, promises, and declarations in all of scripture are in the first three chapters. Then in chapter four, he switches. It's not that he's not theological, but anything we believe should have practical application. So he turns from the what that God did for us to the so what that it means in our day-to-day -day life. He starts talking about the things that we can do in our lives that lead to the abundant life that Jesus died for us to have. A good summary of chapters four, five, and six is found in chapter five when Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. It's another word for live. So if you're around Beltway Park, we say the reason we exist as church is to help people take their next step with Jesus. Right there. Make sure you know how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days we live in are what? Evil, like the world is on fire. And Paul gives us all these instructions for living wisely so that we can make most of the life that God has for us. And the final instructions he gives us, I think they're last because he wants to make sure we remember them, are found starting in chapter six, verse 10, when he says, finally, brethren, be strong and in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Do you hear what Paul is shouting at us? He's talking about the reality of the world that we live in right now. And he's telling you and I, make sure you're equipped. No matter what you do, no matter what you have to give up, make sure that you're equipped. Why? Our life. Our faith depend upon it. Our current reality, our world isn't the way God designed it to be. We know it. It's like it's on fire. We are at war. And the thing that we need to make sure of is that we're equipped with this reality so that, did you see the word, so that we can stand. Stand is not an image of survival. Stand is an image of victory. If I may, if you have two people wrestling and one is on the ground and one is standing, the one standing is the victor. That is the image you and I have. Now, I understand that even as we broach the subject, there's a part of us that says, man, I don't want to deal with that. David, why don't you give us just something positive? I mean, the idea that we live in a world on fire, that we live in a world at war, man, that's not really the most encouraging thing in the world. I get that. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I want you to hear me. As much as I think I want anything, I want the people associated with Beltway Park to live in victory. I want to live in victory. I want my kids. I want my grandkids. I want your kids. I want your grandkids. I want us. I want to be a people who stand firm no matter what life might bring to you and I. And I know this. Victory begins as we embrace a sober truth. And that truth is this. We cannot deny. We live in a world that is at war. Some of my favorite movies ever put out are actually based upon the novels of a guy named J.R.R. Tolkien called The Lord of the Rings. Now, I know some of you tried to watch Lord of the Rings and you couldn't make it through it because they were so long and so detailed, and the books are even more so. I love them because they talk about the reality of the world in which we live. They illustrate it so well. And in the second movie, it's called The Two Towers, there's a group that goes to a king of a group of men known as Rohan, a kingdom. The king is named Theoden. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to gather alliances. And they're trying to get the alliances to stand up against those who come against Middle Earth and bring destruction to it and let evil overcome it. And when they ask King Theoden to join in to battle against evil, Theoden says, I will not risk open war. And the words of the character by the name of Aragorn, the future king of all of mankind, have stuck inside of me for decades now. Open war is upon you, king, whether you would risk it or not. That is our world. You can stick your head in the sand. You can turn the other way. You can be naive and think, of, I don't seek conflict. Conflict's not going to come upon me, but that's not reality. Open war is upon us. You want a physical picture of a spiritual reality? Look no further than the Ukraine. The Ukraine is a nation that in no way wanted to be at war. In fact, from what we can tell, their leadership did every, everything they could do to avoid war. They definitely didn't cause the war, yet what are they doing right now? 
They are fighting a battle that they did not desire. See, that's not just the situation in the Ukraine. That's the, that's the reality of the world in which you and I exist. We live in a world on fire. We live in a world that is a raging war. We're born into the middle of it. It's happening in the spiritual unseen world, but it's very often played out in the material world. Here again the words of Paul, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the schemes of the, the who? The devil. It doesn't say the party that's in control or the party that's not in control depending on which party you think you're a part of. It doesn't say take against the schemes of your neighbor or your boss or that person that you really don't like online. It says ultimately our battle is against the devil. And just in case you think, well, Paul's being exaggerative, he goes on. For we do not wrestle. That word is hand-to-hand combat. We don't wrestle ultimately against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 12 describes various layers, a hierarchy, if I may, of demonic forces that are waging war against God but ultimately they play out in the material world. See, often I'm asked a question, and that question goes something like this. Pastor, do you really believe like in the world of angels and demons? Do you believe in the world of the unseen, the spiritual world? And my answer is a resounding yes. He may ask, how in the world can you say that? Reason one, how else do you explain our world? If you go back 120 or so years to the turn of the 20th century, you would see a rise of humanism happening not just in America but in the Western world. And when they started dealing with the issue of evil, what they would say is all evil can be explained by biological, psychological, and sociological factors. And if we will just address the psychological, biological, and sociological factors, we can resolve the world of evil. And so we started attacking evil, not from a spiritual reality, but from a human reality. And we saw over the course of the next 100 years, 1900 to 2000, what most historians will say is the bloodiest 100 years in human history. More deaths as a result of war than at any other time in human history. And you add to the reality that we thought starting about the 1950s, that if we just continue to have advancements in science and technology, technological and scientific advancements are gonna help us in the biological, the psychological, and the sociological. And let's be honest, there's a lot of things that have increased in the biological. Aren't you grateful for modern medicine? Aren't you grateful for the wisdom that God has given to mankind? I am. It has helped in the area of the psychological. We do better in so many ways of dealing with mental health issues than we ever have done in the past. Sociologically, we are the same way. We have made improvements. However, it has not resolved evil one bit. And we know that deep within. Andrew Del Blanca is a uh, professor at Columbia University in New York. He is a secular liberal, doesn't claim in any way a Christian worldview, any idea of Christianity, but he wrote a book about two decades ago called The Death of Satan. And it's interesting, the premise of the book. He says, a gulf has opened in our culture between the visibility of evil and our intellectual resources with coping with it. The evil that was always there is still there, but we get rid of the idea of sin and sinners. We got rid of the idea of original sin. We got rid of the idea of the devil. We got rid of the idea of all the transcendent aspects, if I may add, of reality. And now, 
We're absolutely astounded by the fact that there's clearly something beyond what we can manage or control here. But we have no way of dealing with it. The description of the book on Amazon, you can look it up. If you're bored right now, just get your phone out and look at it right now. It is more poignant. Through the writings of America's major figures, a professor at Columbia University traces the change in America's view of evil over the nation's history from a clear religious understanding to a perplexed helplessness. Is that not where our world is when it comes to evil? And you know what the feelings of helplessness lead to? Fear. And even right now, as we talk about the reality of the spiritual war, what's starting to rise in some of us, maybe many of us, is the idea of fear. Because we live in a world that generally feels helpless in the face of evil. And I would say it's because we have abandoned the truth about reality. We have abandoned a Christian biblical worldview. But I want you to hear me, listen to me right now. We are not helpless or hopeless in the face of our enemy. The scripture is very clear. The one who is in you is greater. Somebody shout greater. Greater than the one who is in the world. We will not be powerless or disheartened by the reality of our enemy in the spiritual war. However, we also cannot be passive. We cannot pretend it doesn't exist. Make sure you're equipped because we deal in a world that are the days of evil. But it's not the only reason I believe in the reality of the unseen world. If you really want to get down to it, I'm a follower of Jesus. Most of us claim that we are followers of Jesus. If you look at the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know what you're going to find he did a lot? Dealt with the devils. He dealt with the demons. He dealt with the spiritual world. Jesus spent his entire three years of ministry battling demons. I suspect that I and you are going to have his followers are going to have to do the same thing. Here's the problem. Many of us, as believers, are acting as if there's no spiritual world. And even if there is a spiritual world and we kind of hold to it, it has very little effect on us as humans. C.S. Lewis, again, said it well, another book, Screw Tape Letters. There are two equal and opposite errors into which we're race can, come, can fall when it comes to the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So I, I'm not suggesting that we turn our attention to the enemy and all that the enemy may be doing in this day and put all our energy there, okay? I am not saying that in any way, but I'm telling you this, we cannot be unaware, nor can we be naive about the reality. We must make sure that we are equipped because reality is all of us will face the evil day. So you remember, back in Ephesians chapter five, live as those who are not unwise but wise. Be careful in how you walk. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Because the days, plural, are what? Evil. But in Ephesians 6, 13, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. It is singular. Please listen to me. The evil day is not the same as the evil's days, the chapter 4. The evil days talk about the general reality of our world. If I may, get a picture of a fire. And if we said the whole big country was on fire, I know that's a little close to home right now, isn't it? But even in the big mesquite fire, there were hot pockets. 
There were places where the fire would be low and not burning that much, places where it would be burning. So we could say the whole area was on fire, but there were places where the fire was raging. The evil day, if I may, is when the battle becomes more intense. When the enemy wages war against you, when the fire is hotter in our lives. I bet you can remember times in your life where it happened. I'm thinking of one probably two decades ago. It was a Sunday morning about 2 a.m. The general thing for me on Sunday morning is that I wake up a lot. Some of that's just due to my intensity. I I really want to be ready. I want to make sure we're doing what we're doing. I wake up, I pray, I go back to sleep. That's just kind of the normal one that happens a few times during the evening. But this particular night, I'll never forget it. I was a young man, had no trouble sleeping in nor- at normal. It's not like I'm an old man I am now that, you know, has the sleep problem issues. It's really a bathroom issue that leads to the sleep problem issues. <laughs> hey, you young'uns are looking at me like, you just come talk to me in about two decades. You'll be texting me at 3 a.m. I'm at the bathroom, but I'll, I'll take your text because it's like I'm there too. Uh, <laughs> I was up about 2 a.m. and this time light, it wasn't normal. It's like I woke up in fear. I woke up in panic. I woke up in high anxiety and, and, and such in life. And my, I was awake and I knew it, but it's like I was in a dream. And I couldn't get control of my thoughts. And so I got up and I got some water and I, I sat in a chair. wanted to clear my thinking, but things only got worse. And I had some of the wildest, craziest thoughts that in the matter of 15, 20, 30 minutes, I was convinced were reality. Like, one of them. I was convinced that in a few hours when we had church, no one was going to show up but me. Like, my wife and my kids weren't going to come. And they, like, have to be there, right? The staff that I pay, I mean, we pay, They weren't going to show up. No one was going to show up and such. And that went on for about an hour and had all these crazy thoughts going on. And then I had like a still small voice go off in my head. It's an attack. The evil day. The first thing I did, I have to admit, was I was a little frustrated with myself for not discerning earlier that it was an attack. But then, you know what I did? What do you do when you have to fight a fire? You put on your equipment. I'm telling you, I'm so glad I had it. So like I started confessing truth. I meditated on the reality of my salvation in Jesus Christ. I actually used a lot of scriptures from the three chapters, first three chapters of Ephesians. I used the word of God as a sword. You remember Jesus? After 40 days of no eating. I don't know about you, that sounds like an awful long time of no food, like, Man, I miss lunch, I'm in trouble. 40 days, he's weak. I don't know if Jesus struggled with being hangry, but I would after 40 days. And the enemy shows up and says, hey, you're God. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responded, the word of God says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he started wielding the word of God as a sword. I prayed with all kinds of prayers. I'd like to tell you, like it stopped right away, probably about 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And then I promise you, it was like, bam, I woke up. The haziness was gone. The anxiety was gone. I was pretty confident we were going to have church this morning. People were going to show up, all that kind of stuff. Now, I understand that you're saying, David, that's like an extreme example, but I bet you this, I bet if we all started comparing notes, we would have stories. 
stories that we didn't quite understand, stories that we didn't quite grasp. Like a common one is this. People will say, I wake up feeling like I'm being choked. And I'm trying to get the name of Jesus out. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I bet a lot of us have had that happen. It's far more common than we think. But even if it's not something that extreme, we've all faced seasons in life where temptations seem to be harder to say no to than in other times. We've had seasons in our life where our anger seems to be bubbling and it feels like it's going to explode on other people. I can't tell you how many times I've asked people, hey, how are you doing? And they had the courage to actually answer honestly. And they would say like, life's okay, it's just difficult. I can't explain it. There's like nothing bad really overall going on. It's just harder than normal. It's like I'm walking in snow. It's like everything I do is a fight. The day of evil. At various times in our lives, we will all face the day of evil, a time when the battle is more intense. It is at that moment we need to make sure that in seconds we can put on what God has given to us. Make sure you're equipped. I mean, think about it. How absurd would it be to have sent Jeffrey to fight a fire with the way he looked? He wasn't quite ready. It was better than having nothing. But he wasn't ready to use that which he had been given to do that which he was to accomplish. We must be a people who make sure that we lay hold of what God has already given us. You don't have to go get it. You have it. We just have to learn to utilize what God has already given us. If we wait until we need the armor of God, to try and get it, I probably should rephrase that, to try to learn how to utilize what we've been given. Listen to me, it's too late. We do that now. Getting ourselves ready for the moment when the day of evil comes, because guess what? It's not just gonna come in your life. Some of you are married. I don't know if you know this or not, but when the day of evil comes against your spouse, it comes against you too. Some of you have kids. When the day of evil comes against your kids, it comes against you too. I don't know how you feel. I'm putting myself in front of my kids. I'm putting myself in front of my grandkids. And I will look at the forces of hell and say, you may come after them, but you're going to have to go through me. You're going to have to battle me at the same time, and I am going to be strong. And I'm going to battle, but it's not just them, there's family that we have that's not biological family, it's spiritual family. When the day of evil comes against one of my brothers and sisters, guess what? It comes against me. And I equip up. And I stand with them. Not that I can fight in totality their battle for them, but I can stand with them. And I'm just going to tell you, we need to be equipped to be able to do that as well. We need to get ourselves ready. So over the course of the next weeks, all we're going to do is talk about how to equip ourselves. We're going to talk about what that looks like. We're going to talk about how we can do that so that we can face the inevitable battles that are going to come our way. We're going to talk about the enemy some, but that's not going to be our focus. We're going to talk about our Father and the great things he has done for us to get us ready to live in this world. Hear me, I know this world's not the way it was designed for us to live, but we are not unequipped. It's not like we can be ill-prepared. We cannot just be those who survive this world. We can be those who in the end stand and we live in victory that the Lord has for us. But listen to me, it doesn't just happen. Jesus died, rose again so that you and I can live in victory. 
but we must possess what we've been promised. Listen to me. It's not a remote possibility for you to live in victory. I'm utterly confident of that. It is your destiny. God told Israel when they brought them out of Egypt, he didn't bring them out just to make them free. He made, brought them out so that they can live in the fullness of the promise. They called it the promised land. But he said to them, I want you to enter into the land of promise and every place you put your foot, I've already given to you. But if they didn't put their foot there, they didn't possess what they had been promised. We have got to be those who by faith possess what we've been promised. And we do that by committing ourselves afresh to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You notice what that says to us? To be strong, you have to be what? In the Lord. You know what in the Lord means? Another phrase you'd read in the New Testament is in Christ, in Jesus. It means to be saved. It means to be born again. It means to be those who have a knowledge of what is pictured in baptism. That the old me by faith has been put to death and I've been raised up a new me in Christ Jesus and now I walk with him. It is to be a follower of Jesus who's not walking in perfection but is running after Jesus. We have to be in the Lord to be strong. I'll be honest with you. If we're not in the Lord, we are helpless and powerless in the battle. If you try to fight the battle outside of the enemy, what you will go to is fear, despair, and helplessness. Because we were never designed to do life on our own. In the beginning, before sin, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God met with them and walked with them, communed with them, and did life with them. We were always designed to do life with God. You know what sin does? Sin tries to separate ourselves from God and do it ourselves. And it leads to despair. It leads to hopelessness. But we get in the Lord. <clears throat> we can be strong. Good news is this. You may not be in the Lord. You can be in the Lord today. See, I'm confident right now God is stirring some people to say it is your day to say yes to be his follower. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that casually. It is the most important decision you'll ever make. It is an all-in decision, but it's the best decision you'll ever make. And I promise you this, heaven is praying right now for you to say yes. But there's another implication in the text. We can be in the Lord but not be strong. In other words, we can be weak in the Lord. We can, in essence, be in the Lord but not know how to wield our equipment. And some of us, I'm just going to challenge maybe many of us, have discovered over the course of the past few years we weren't as equipped as we thought we were. It's okay. The answer is not to fall into despair. The answer is to heed the word of the Lord that says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil. I mean, come on, reality is the last few years have been some of the most difficult many of us have faced. If I were to examine our world and our society, I don't think we have quite faced what we have faced since probably the 1960s. 
It's probably in the 60s during the Vietnam era that we saw division like we're seeing today. We see polarization like we did today, accusations like we see today, all the things that are going on, all the turmoil, all the stuff. The pandemic and the fallout of political things have led us back to where we were about half a century ago and such. It's been a difficult season. It's almost like the fire has risen some all around. And I'm just going to tell you, when that happens, the enemy starts looking for open places to attack. And many of us have seen the attack. For most of my time, I've been blessed to be the pastor here at Beltway. A man by the name of Jack Taylor has been a spiritual father. Many of you know Jack from our Word Spirit Power Conferences, the number of times he's shared. Jack went to be with Jesus last year. He went from this life that was at war and on fire to the life that is truly life. But before he passed in his late 80s, he had a season where his health was failing. And one morning he woke up and told some of the people that were with him that I know. He said, Jesus visited me last night. Now, Jack wasn't prone to exaggeration. He didn't say words like that. But he talked to them about some of the things Jesus told them. And he said, the enemy is trying to attack in a heightened way in two areas. Fear and division. Think about our world right now. Fear and division. Part of me gets a little sarcastic. It's like, Jack, did you really need a visitation from Jesus to tell you that? But I think Jesus was trying to heighten, hey, don't take this lightly. But I promise you, what the enemy means for evil, God will work for good. And we can see a rise in the midst of this attack of God doing something incredible if we will do if we will be those who will seek to be strong in him. I want you to hear, I know the attack has risen, but the answer isn't to be concerned. Not merely. The answer is to make sure we're equipped. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And when all is finished, stand. Let's bow our heads. Both physical campuses are online family right now. I know people listen in while they're driving. You do not bow your head, but you can take a posture of prayer. I think the Lord wants to move right now. This is going to move pretty quick, so I need you to be paying attention here. One, I think there are men and women who need to say yes to Jesus right now. It's just real simple. You say, I want to become his follower. I am committing my life to learn of Jesus, to follow him, and to be his. There's a lot of next steps you're supposed to take. It's a whole life of learning to walk like him. But it starts with the first step of saying yes. And some of us have been contemplating, we've been saying it, and today is our day. If that is you, whatever campus you might be at right now, without a lot of fanfare, without a lot going on, you say, I want to become a follower of Jesus for the first time in my life. Put your hand up right now and say, yes, Jesus, I am following you. Amen. Amen. I know there's some hands going up at the North Campus. Say, man, praise be to God. You can put your hands down. We celebrate with you. If you're at one of our physical campuses, man, I encourage you to come talk to one of our prayer partners. Second thing I, I want to say, I think we need to be a people who renew our commitment to be strong in the Lord, to be equipped. 
to make sure we're equipped. You say, Dave, what does that mean? That's the course of the next week. We're going to put on the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. We're going to take up the shield of faith, and we're going to wield the sword and the spirit, and we're going to pray with all kinds of prayers in all kinds of situations. There's your armor, and we're going to talk about what that practically looks like. But if you just say, I need to hold my head up, it's time to get strong in the Lord and to do things more so. Some of it, it may just be going back to what we did before so that we can walk in strength. But if you're saying, I have a renewed commitment, I want to be strong in the Lord Jesus, give me grace to do what it takes to be strong in you. Put your hands up right now. Come on, all over. Let us be those who are strong in him. Amen. Amen. You put your hands down. Last thing. If you feel like you're in the evil day right now, it's okay, we're all gonna be there at some point and you just need an extra measure of grace because the battle is intense in your world. I just want you to put your hand up right now and say, that's where I am right now. Man, may the grace of the Lord be upon you. I would encourage you, our prayer partners are gonna be down here. If you raised your hand, come and get some prayer about the specifics of that day and what the Lord wants to do. For Father, we heed your word. I speak against the enemy right now that would want to minister fear to us in the face of the battle. We declare that we are those who can be strong in you and in the power of your might. We can be those who will stand strong in the face of whatever the world might bring or whatever the enemy might be. And we are of those who will be strong in you. We will take up the armor of God. Over the next week, Father, show each of us specific things we can do to walk with you and be strong in you. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.